Welcome to the Modernize or Die podcast, conference edition. In this podcast, we spotlight upcoming Cold Fusion conferences and talk to organizers, workshop trainers, and speakers to uncover all the information you and your company needs to decide what conferences and workshops to attend and what sessions you need to see. Welcome back to another Modernize or Die podcast, the CFML conference edition. And this time we're talking about Into the Box 2022. And we have one of our workshop uh, trainers, Dan Cards. You want to tell us uh, what is your workshop called for a start? So the actual title of the workshop is Legacy Code Conversion to the Modern World. Um, the idea is basically we've all written code. We, I mean, we've all written code. We all wrote what we would now call legacy code. And how do we actually go back and look at this code that could be written in pure script? It could be a CFM file with no CFCs at all. It could still be using application.cfm. Um, I mean, there's there's all there's different stages of how code has progressed, especially in the, I mean, in the code fusion world over the last several years. But how do we actually bring that code up to a modern standard? Um, and cool. uh, that's basically what this is about. I mean, that's that's the whole theme. So, who's the audience really for this workshop? It sounds like almost anyone, right? <laughs> It's not, yeah, it actually is almost anyone. Even if you've been doing refactoring for quite a long time, um, you'll get something out of it. Even if, because we're going to get into actually techniques and maybe more of like the academic side of it, it will do a lot of hands-on, don't worry. But if you are managing a site that may be um, not as up-to-date maybe as it could be, this is a great seminar to go through and kind of get the basics. Sometimes um, it's really interesting. We had a really big conversation on the um, in in the on the on the Ordis channel, basically, about different uses of the word. So we had a question of someone saying is, hey, the phrase legacy software, it just sounds like you're being derisive and we should use traditional and different words and everything else. And um it was it was an interesting conversation because then it got into the question about well why is something called legacy? Why is something called traditional? Like what are all these things? And really what it came down to is everyone has written code. That code works. Okay. And so sometimes there's actually a trepidation about wanting to touch it and wanting to change it because if it works, why would you fix it? Um, and there's really no getting around it though. If something's written quite a while ago, it is legacy code. It's been there for quite a while. It could have been done by somebody before you. It could have been done with technologies and techniques that were popular, but popular in 10 or 15 years ago. And the industry in general has moved past that. The question is why? Did it change for change sake or did it change because there actually was a benefit to doing it a new way? And a lot of the techniques that we're going to look at, um, we're going to look at why those actually became standards. You know, we talk about things like ENV files or uh, local or, or, or local development um, environments, you know, using command box or whatever. Um, you know, why are we doing that? Why are we doing things like CF config? Why are we looking at um, uh, abstracting variables out? Why are we looking at a separation of concerns? Why are all these things important? Yep. And ultimately, oh, sorry, let me, yeah. Um, yeah, and ultimately what it comes down to is if it doesn't make your code more secure, if it doesn't make your code more readable, if it doesn't make your job better, doesn't make your, your life easier, then uh, why do it? But we're coming from the point of view about once we talk about that all these things, they actually do have tangible benefits for you as the developer, you for your company, um, and just overall state of mind. I mean, making this stuff readable, you can go insane trying to, trying to de decipher old code. So part of what we want to do is make sure it's readable and understandable. Yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, that's that's one thing. Like a lot of the oldest tools are built because we had pain doing it the traditional way. And so we figured exactly. out, 
okay, how can we get around this pain? What can we do, build or or just style to basically make our lives easier, make our developer yeah. lives easier, make the application that like you said easy to maintain. And so that sounds like, yeah, you're going to be working through that. So what are some of the, the modules and topics you're going to discuss in the workshop? Obviously, you mentioned a few of them. Can you mention a few more? Yep, sure. Uh, so we're going to look at, at, a, at, a, at a different techniques. Um, we're, we use command box, but we're going to something called uh, it's dot, dot .env. The idea of what is an ENV file. I had no idea up, up, up until a couple of years ago. Everyone kept talking about this. And in Cold Fusion, we haven't used them very much. If you're using more in the Node or JavaScript area, you may be more familiar with them. But um, basically, it's a way that you can actually get all of the tokens that you use for things like um, HTTP calls or passwords that sometimes are actually, you know, sometimes people store in their code. Oh, no one, no one, no one will ever see it. It's it's on the server. Who cares? Um, but when you start getting into things like Git and actually shared, um, you know, shared resources, those secrets all of a sudden can be checked into a place that could be somewhat public, or at least public to other developers that maybe you don't want them to see. And then who knows who, who knows where it goes from there. So ENV files are a way of actually having specific um, variables for a particular instance. Um, I was looking at something recently where I where I was looking at um at some code. Uh, and there were literally almost 150 lines of code where the application was trying to figure out where it was. Was it in production? Was it in development? Where was it? And we can actually answer that question with one little line in an ENV file that says environment equals production. And we got rid of 100, 150 lines of code. Yeah. Um, uh, that's uh, one example. Things like pulling out uh, pulling out functions into CFCs, abstracting functions, trying to figure out what tools are out there. Um, you know, we talk about things like um, different tools that are in ForgeBox. For example, uh, QB is one query builder. And your first reaction, especially as a developer, is why do I need help doing that? It's just a query, okay? And we write them all the time. You know what I mean? But then you actually see how query builder works, and yeah, it's a query, but I but you take you know something that could be you know 20 lines of sql and then all the scaffolding that goes around it with all the the um all the the, the query params and everything else and you realize now it's like eight lines of code and you only have the pertinent side and you can read it and it's much much clearer and it's all written in, in functional programming and so in a sense you have less code because mm -hmm. you can hide the stuff you don't have to worry about and you have less clutter to look at. You can look at the important stuff. Yeah, I mean, um, you can take a lot of the boilerplate out too. Like QB, you can actually have a function that generates the start of your query and then you just pass it to something mm -hmm. where you just add a couple of params where that needs it yeah. different than another function. Yeah, QB is awesome. I mean, yeah, so, QB is pretty amazing. QB yeah. and Hyper, the two of them are, are, are pretty cool. Now, just to be clear, the techniques we're going to look at are not specifically unique to using Ortis tools. Okay, they are general techniques. Um, that have come out of, well, on the one hand, from me doing it for a long time, we're also going to be citing different works and looking at different techniques that are highlighted in, you know, uh, even non even non cold fusion publications, obviously things like, um, like uh, Uncle Bob and Martin Fowler and that yep, kind of stuff. Exactly. Yep. Okay. I was gonna so say these are going to be standard techniques. They're not unique to cold fusion. They're not unique to Ortis stuff. Um, we may look at how Ortis tools may make it easier, but it's not you're you're not locked into using Ortis tools if you don't want to. After all this, these are general concepts, and we will dive in and do some hands-on code. Um, 
Okay. Uh, I teach a class, uh, a college class, and part of the project we do is we develop sort of a, a, a bookstore over the, the course of uh, you know, 11, 12 weeks, whatever. But what I've done is I've taken all the features from this bookstore and I've made them in one big long CFM file. <laughs> and what we're going to do is we're going to slowly pull them out now, and I'm doing it based on real world examples of stuff that I've seen in in in, in different you know clients and customers. And I'm running it by a lot of other developers at Ordis to say, hey, would, is this code believable? You know what I mean? <laughs> and uh, yes, it is. I've had some some pushback. They say, no, no one would ever write it like that. Not even like in a modern way, but in re like reality, no one would ever write it like that. So we tweaked it to be like, this is actually how a real life scenario. And so it's real, how we actually refactor it from there. And um, we're going to go through throughout the day, we're going to adapt that to be a more modern architecture, and mo a modern technique. Okay. Well, any requirements for taking that? Obviously, you mentioned like the books from like Clean Code and stuff like that, but that's not a requirement, right? So is no, there anything not that at all. Need? The only thing I actually listed on the description, I said prerequisites, a somewhat working knowledge of CFML is a plus. Um, <laughs> we're, uh, we're, we're starting off with, with, with TAG. Uh, if you've never looked at the script syntax, that may be a little bit of a, um, of a jump, but I don't let that scare you. Okay. Um, no, there are pretty much no prereqs. If you're interested in something that you want to do ahead of time, um, maybe make a GitHub account if you don't have one. Other than that, show up at the laptop, download command box, and come have a good time. This stuff is fun. Okay, so if I, so I'm thinking about taking this workshop. So why should I take this workshop? Well, take this workshop because of mental health reasons. <laughs> I mean, part of the reason why we actually want to do this is because we can get so frustrated by code and the, the the more that we can refactor the more that your code is actually flexible the more that it's readable I, I really think that the less stress goes into what you're actually doing now we're still going to have stress you still need to get features out the door you know this but we can focus on the stuff that should be stressful which is solving the problems and not focus on the stuff that adds stress which is getting lost in 200 lines of code trying to figure out where the core part of this is um uh and also one thing you find is actually, as you do this, you realize that there are more interesting and less, uh, not, even, not even just more interesting. That sounds like it's kind of like a little byproduct and stuff, but there are, there are better ways. There are always better ways to do things. There's times when I feel like I'm very impressed with myself that I wrote something. And then I talked to Brad and he did the same thing in two lines of code that I did in 15 or 20 um, that somebody else may do that maybe hasn't really been focusing on, on, on refactoring, you know, maybe 30 or 40. There's, you can always get it better. But you got to start someplace. Yep. And uh, just, yeah. just as button here, though, too. Remember, less lines of code doesn't make it actually bitter sometimes. So sometimes, sometimes it makes it worse. Two yeah, unreadable lines of code you. From, you know, from Brad or some computer generated thing may be actually worse. Sometimes using good variable names and you separate things out to a function that might take up more lines might be better yes. code. And clean code tells you when to evaluate that as well. So. And that is a very good point because I think that there not only is diminishing returns, like we're looking, we're looking for broad strokes in the, in, in the seminar. We're looking at actually how could we clean this up to make it more readable in a in a low hanging fruit kind of way. And there's always going to be that. But I agree with you. There's also someone that can pride themselves. And I wrote my entire SaaS application in one line of code. Yeah, but you can't read it. <laughs> we're not looking to do that. We're looking to get rid of the clutter. Um, make it readable, make it sh make it shorter if at all possible. But yeah, there definitely is a point of ridiculousness that we're not going to that we're not even going to come close to, let alone go beyond. Cool. So, what do you want people to be able to walk away from this workshop with? Uh, I think a demystification being. Um, 
I want to walk away with some of these techniques being demystified. Now, what I mean by that is, there, I, I know I'm relatively not, not my path on doing a lot of these techniques. I'm I'm still relatively new at Ortis, but I started doing a lot of this refactoring and really diving into things like functional programming starting about four or five years ago. And I know before that, my biggest thing was why are so many people over engineering their stuff? I did it very easily with tags, and I did it very simply with this. Why do we have to get into the blah 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 blah, blah? and you know why do we have to get into all that? And I fought it for a very long time until I. I hit a point in this in the code that I was doing. I hit a point where I really couldn't go any further in that direction because I had coded myself into a corner. And what I had to do then is I had to go back and I had to actually start doing this refactoring to kind of figure out, okay, how do I get out of this mess? Um, and what I discovered is that I had built so much tech debt. Um, everything was complicated. Everything I had hard coded so much stuff into my code that I needed to just not start over again. I don't mean that, but I had to go back and start polishing it up, but I had to kind of restructuring things just to make it be able to move again. Um, but for the longest time, I didn't see the need. And I also just, to be honest, there was a learning curve I didn't want to go through. And so one of the things I want people to, to come out of this project is, A, every project is where they are. This is a completely free, no judgment zone. Even if you wrote the code and you look at it now and you're getting lost, you may know it fluently. This is a no judgment zone. Um, in many, I mean, in, in, that was part of that conversation is like, is there an applied, sorry, is there like an applied negativity to saying le uh, legacy code? And we all agree that pretty much it had to do with tone of voice. So this is a completely judgment-free legacy thing. No one's gonna be judging code. The whole point here is we is how do we make it better from here? And I want to demystify some of the techniques, demystify some of the tools, and demystify some of the concepts, um, like ENV files, for example, which for me were a big stumbling block for a long time, because I'm like, why is that? So. Cool. Well, it sounds like a great workshop. I think a lot of people are going to learn a lot from it. And obviously, uh, legacy migration or modernizing code is definitely a big, mm -hmm. uh, big request of Audis, and a lot of clients are asking for mm -hmm. help with that. So this might be something that, uh, yeah, a lot of people who are looking at doing that modernization uh, can really benefit from. So, well, thanks very much for your time, so. Daniel. Uh, and yeah, we're uh, looking forward to your workshop. So again, the workshop is going to be the day before the conference into the box. Um, mm -hmm. You can buy your ticket for just the conference, but I recommend getting the conference and the workshop so you can attend a workshop like Dan's. And there's uh, four or five other workshops as well that we'll be talking about in the next episode. So Yeah, and they all sound fantastic. So yeah so that's great cool. uh thanks very much for your time and uh have a good one thank you thanks for having me we'll see you into the thanks. box that's good show notes for this episode can be found on conference.modernizerdie.io where you can also subscribe to your favorite podcast player like spotify or itunes we also have a link to youtube playlist to find more videos just like this Music from this podcast is used under a royalty-free license from sound.com and bluetreeaudio.com.